Okay, welcome back to another episode of I think we loosely agreed last night and also last time to call it Into the Scoobyverse. Into the Scoobyverse. Into the Scoobyverse. So it'll be that. That's what it's called. We announce episode three after this, <laughs> <laughs> this has been released. I think we've been calling it that since the first recording, but just never like pulled the trigger. I know that our files are called Scoobyverse. Yeah. For, <laughs> for the other recordings. There you go. Now it's official. Yeah, but if you see it called something else on your podcatcher, we didn't name it that, and you can stay tuned for more exciting discussion on the name (laughs) (laughs) as you see us come to it. But yeah, today we are going to be talking about the new episodes of Velma, so that's going to be episodes five and six. Um, New to us, I guess. This will be coming out after the fact. Um, Mm -hmm. Um, so we're going to be talking about Spooky Pinball LLC's new Scooby-Doo machine, which I'm so excited about. It's like such a perfect marriage of like your random interests. I know. Yeah. If you don't listen to other Project Derailed shows, you probably won't know this. But last uh, summer, I got like super into pinball and it's been like... It's been like my hyper fixation ever since. I think that it's just a hobby now. I think after like almost a year, it's just a hobby. It's not hyper fixation anymore. But uh, yeah, and I I was like, you know, when I saw like all the different uh, franchises and stuff that have been made into pinball machines over there, I'm like, oh, clearly there's been like four or five Scooby-Doo machines that have come out, but there's never been one out. This is the first one. The first one. It's the first one, and I'm so excited that Spooky's doing it. Um, if you have like played pinball or have been to a parlor recently, they have a couple of machines. Some of them are like more generic things that they've just come up with themselves, but they've also gotten some uh, some bigger deals like uh, Rick and Morty, and their biggest one, I think, is their Halloween machine, which is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, they got the Scooby-Doo license. As in uh, like that... the John Carpenter film, Halloween. Yes, the John Carpenter film, Halloween. Um it's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I know that the pinball forums, when I like first started getting into it, looking at what had become a machine, they had uh, been suspecting last summer that someone had gotten the license. Uh, what I was reading suggested most people thought it was Stern, but also like Spooky did a live stream recently where the secret had kind of like gotten out well before they ever announced it and people would be emailing them like, so when's a Scooby-Doo machine coming out? So this was not a very well-kept secret, I guess. <laughs> somebody's somebody's leaking out information at spooky pinball which to be yeah. fair i would also be very excited because i think it's it's probably going to end up being a very uh popular machine yeah but uh they put out the uh art to it a while ago they've been announcing he was doing like the call outs and the music and stuff like that and this week we finally got our uh our gameplay footage, which is super exciting because I know sometimes in pinball it'll be like a machine will be announced and then it'll be like years before you see anything else about it. So Spooky's really turning it around. I know that they upgraded their operation in a big way in order to do this and like have this huge launch for it. So I'm very, very excited for it to officially come out and play it. Um, But we have gameplay footage now. So yeah, let's talk about the gameplay footage. Hell yeah. Yeah. So uh, just looking at the machine, I'm trying to think of a way to like explain in like terms that like make sense if you like really don't know like pinball um, Mm -hmm. very well. So just like looking at it, I guess uh, one of the things I think is very cool about it is all the little toys that they have on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have like spooky sort of like moderate when it comes to like the toys on the actual play field. Um, You have companies like Jersey Jack who are like all about the toys and they have like a million little things all around and it can look kind of cluttered. But this one has a good amount of toys. Like it has an upper play field that has a big Captain Cutler toy. Um, It has a Scooby toy on the side that like Scooby like goes in and out of a barrel. That's really cute. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has very cool art. It's art inspired by Scooby-Doo. Where are you specifically? And it has... um, it has clips from the show that play on um, on the back screen underneath the translate and stuff. 
Um, and I think it has something at the top of it, even. It has one of those, like, uh, header things that looks very cool. Yeah, it's got, like, the uh, the bookcase thing next to Cutter, too, which is pretty neat. Like, one of the yeah. like, flippers on the upper play field is, like, a bookcase, like, a nod to the, you know, like, secret entrance for rooms and stuff. Really cool. Yeah, it's it's really neat. And uh, when you have that flipper, like when you press the button on the side to activate the flipper, it goes back enough that it blocks one of the lanes that drains it down to the lower play field. Um, so you can sort of like do cool stuff like block it off if you want to keep it in that upper play field. There's also a shot on the side that you can get. If you can get it into the upper part of the L of the flipper, you can shoot it across the upper play field and get like um, a skill shot that I think gets you clues clues or scooby snacks it's like one of the objectives in the game that you can do it looks like they were that there were really cool like modes in the pinball machine um so you have like it it seems like what you're trying to do is collect clues and that starts a mystery and Mm -hmm. then you do different things to solve that mystery and unmask the person you know unmask the monster basically then you like complete that mode um and like move on to the next thing um, you have a couple different multi balls, I know. One of which I'm really excited about. Uh, everyone's been talking about the uh, mystery machine multi ball, which is really cute. That's another toy on the play field is a little mystery machine. But there is, I think, also a, a monster pinball, um, and it has an original song <laughs> that was written and performed by Scott Innes, who played Shaggy and Scooby in uh the late 90s and 2000s and does a lot of Hanna-Barbera characters even for like modern uh commercials and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um so he was in like um like Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost and like uh Zombie Island and those movies as well as playing Scooby in the live action movie um and he voices all the monsters in the game and also Shaggy and Scooby in this like monster song that he wrote that was like really cute that's so cute And I love that they they like got so much like like cool uh, voice acting stuff in the game too. Yeah, they have um, Frank Welker and Matthew Lillard, Gray, and uh, Kate Marucci um, playing their characters that they usually play in the cartoons now, doing all the new callouts and stuff. And something I also really liked about the game was um, the cool little sound effects as you bounce off of stuff. It's like the weird little like boing like sound mm-hmm. effects like from the, the original wow. show. Kind of sound <laughs> yeah. effects and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're just sort of like bopping around, it plays the uh, the musical cue that they would play when the title card would come up for Scooby-Doo Where Are You? That da, da. I don't think I did that right at all, but um, it's super cute. (laughs) It is very cute. (laughs) Yeah, I'm super excited about it. I've been sort of hoping that there's going to be uh, launch parties near us. I know that Spooky Pinball has come up um, around our area a couple times for like expos and stuff. And at least Stern, when they launched Bond uh, this past year, um, sort of semi-unofficially like Bond 1.0, they did launch parties all around, but... I really want to play it so bad. Yeah, it looks really good. Like, I'm I'm really impressed. I think it's a super solid looking machine. Yeah. Um, it did seem from the... So it's kind of like hard to tell. We were talking about this a little bit before. Uh, well, we were loosely talking about it before we started recording. Um, it seems sort of low scoring, but that's also like a little bit hard to tell. Um, just because like we were watching a demo of like the features that it has rather than someone like, you know, playing it competitively. Um, but I think at the end of the gameplay video they put out, they'd gotten like around like 2 million points each, something like that. Um, if you do go and find the video, which I'll link in the show notes, uh, the first person has like a ridiculous ball. It's the person who designed the machine. So that makes a lot of sense. A ton of sense. Yeah, and they get like a million and a half points on ball one or something like that. Um, And, you know, they're not like trying to just like score as many points as possible. They were trying to like show off different features as they did it. And the code is probably not completely finished at this point. So, yeah, I'm curious to see how it will sort of shake out because I've noticed on a lot of newer machines, with Stearns especially, like, you know, a good score, quote unquote. I feel like, at least for me, when I go up to, like, a new stirred machine, I'm trying to get at least, like, 40 million or so. Mm-hmm. But then, like, you look at, like, a Jersey Jack machine or something, and you're getting, like, 
maybe a million. So it's always like interesting to see. Um, there are other games I've played. I think that like I tend to land around the like 10, 15 million, something like that. Halloween, I like get around 30 or so pretty regularly. Um, mm-hmm. And just to clarify, Fiona is like pretty good at pinball, y'all. I I am I am pretty okay at pinball. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just pretty good, better than the average bear, I would say. But of course, I mean, like, there's like you know pro pinballers. Yeah, I would say I'm better than the average person at pinball. Um, that's because I play a lot of pinball at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, it. <laughs> It is, like, interesting, um, especially with newer machines. They tend to be, like, very beginner-friendly um, because they have, like, ball save functions and stuff. And ball save, if you've never played pinball before, is, you know, you shoot the ball out of the plunger and it goes and bops around. And if it drains, you know, if it goes down the center or one of the sides and you can't get to it within a certain amount of time or, like, other factors, it'll, like, let you do it again. It'll give you another ball and you can keep playing. Um, but old machines, because it was like more gambling style, uh, they didn't have features like ball save. So if you had a bad plunge or a bad ball, it just, you know, go fuck yourself. That's it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Try again then, I guess. Yeah. That's kind of why I like those old machines sometimes. It just it just feels a little exciting. <laughs> but uh, then you have like the new Sterns, like Godzilla or whatever, and you can like mess with the... Um, particular mechanics on your machine as to how long it is before you drain but like i mean you can go for like 10 15 seconds and drain and get like a new ball which feels like a long time to me um on scooby-doo it has a bumper in the middle of the two flippers so you can't go straight down the middle and if you hit it twice it goes down Um, And I think that's a really interesting ball save function. And I think that there's like other machines that are sort of like that, like uh, Secret Service, which is a game from like the 80s or something, I think had a similar mechanic Mm. um, that would go down after a while. I don't really like that game. So if you see it, don't get too excited. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. But uh, Scooby-Doo looks fun, unlike Secret Service, which is um really lame and not just because i frequently lose on it in tournaments (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it looks really good uh i'm excited and we'll be able to get it for the low low price of about 10 grand yep um that is pretty normal for pinball so that's not like um, oh yeah no for sure yeah (laughs) yeah it's not like spooky pulling a a highway robbery or anything (laughs) um so a lot of pinball too you get like this is a really modern convention like over the last like couple years Mm -hmm. um usually companies put out three versions of the game stern calls them pro premium and limited um the limited they make a very small amount of and they're the most expensive usually over 10 grand um they have like um, they have a unique like trans light, which is the art on the back of the machine. Usually they have like slightly different art on like the play field and the sides of the machine, stuff like that. They might have like a special plunger um, and they have like the most toys and gadgets and stuff on the play field. Those are really expensive. So if you think that like a particular limited edition is like really beautiful, maybe you'll shell out an extra like thousand bucks or whatever if you're already planning to buy it. Um, and then you have the more common versions you'll find in the wild, the pro and the premium. Um, so the pro is the cheapest version and it's usually also meant for like parlors or bars, different places. They'll just get a bunch of pinball machines. Um, they have the fewest toys on it and that's, you know, because if you're running a parlor stuff, you don't want to constantly have to go over and take the glass off and like try to fix the toys on it and like all the moving parts and stuff. Um, you can also get it for, you know, your home and stuff, but the premium, which is usually not that much more, has just like a couple more moving parts. It usually has different art, um, sort of like the in-between. So very friendly to like home buyers. It's what usually if people are like, oh, I want the latest Stern or Spooky or whatever, they go for like a premium edition, unless they're really excited about the limited for some reason. And uh, yeah, once uh, once you produce a pinball machine, uh, all the all the, you know, versions of it, like you turn the factory open and you start making something else. So you're sort of one and done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And especially like, you know, with the hobby blowing back up again and stuff, this is like you pre-order it through like a dealer that, you know, or directly from the company. And then uh, when it gets out into the wild, 
that's the stock that's there. And then they're mm-hmm. moving on. <laughs> so uh, it does make them retain their value. So you get like a little bit of a discount if you wait to like get one used, like buy it off of a parlor or something. Um, but like a modern Stern will run you still close to like 10 grand. So that's the economics of buying a pinball machine. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, yeah. It, I mean, and, and it seems like it's it's money well spent, to be honest, you know, especially like if you're like a really big pinball fan. So, yeah, if you're like really into pinball, um, buying a machine is like, you know, of course you have to have like 10 grand or so to spare unless you're getting an older machine, which you're still going to be paying in the thousands for. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, unless you're like a tech who like really knows how to like repair a pinball machine or doing something like making your own at home or something like that. Um, but uh, it's all very cool stuff. It's it's really exciting. Yeah, it looks really cool. I like that they have um, like different features and stuff for like the different characters. Seems like it's pretty cool. So mm-hmm. like there's a little bit of um, a strategy on how you want to choose your characters because they have pretty much everybody in the uh, in the gang including scooby unlike velma um including scooby that you can play as and then they have like this like fear or bravery meter is what they call it i think um which is kind of like your your timer for your case essentially that if you if you run out of bravery you have to abandon your case which i think is a cool little mechanic yeah, I think so too. That's what the Scooby toy actually does. He, uh, when your bravery meter is at full and you're like investigating or whatever, he's all the way out of the little barrel he's hiding in. And as it goes down, he starts to hide in the barrel again, which I think is extremely cute. It's I love super that so cute. much. Um, and this one, the other unusual thing about it is that it's a five player machine because you can play as any of the gang, including Scooby, which is really unusual. Usually you don't see more than like four player. I I'm like thinking about all the places that we go to and I don't think any of them are more than four player. Look at this high capacity machine here. Yeah, that's something I read in the comments a lot actually was people with uh, families like if they had like, you know. Um, like the two parents and like three kids, if you have a four player machine, someone's always sitting out. Uh, mm-hmm. But now that there's five, you know, most people like if they have kids, they have like, you know, one or two or three. Uh, when you start getting over that, that becomes like a little bit more unusual. But three isn't like an uncommon am- amount of kids to have. Um, yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah. So I-, I thought that that was like a neat little feature too, especially if people are buying them for like the home market versus like going out to a parlor or something. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, it should be good. And I like that the um like the the videos and the clips that they have playing over. Of course, it's not like finalized and everything yet, but I do like that it's like super legible. I mm-hmm. think like sometimes like if you have like clips playing and things like that on a pinball machine, like of course there's just a lot going on, but I do think that like sometimes the text is a little bit hard to to read and make out and it's yeah. super contrasting um, over the background yeah they have that like um they have that like nice clear text on it it's not like a dot matrix machine if that means anything to anyone it's like a it's basically like a little like lcd tv that's um just below like the back glass of the machine mm-hmm. um and it has like clips playing and it has like the text over it but yeah it is like very legible there's like i think it's like white text because the clips that they're playing usually have lots of like dark colors and things like that uh it can communicate pretty like quickly and clearly what you need to be doing um the play field itself also has like a lot of like good uh good like information on it i think um it has you know the monster will light up on the play field that you are like investigating Mm -hmm. um and then with each one of the um each one of the upper lanes you have like the different things that you're doing that are highlighted on it um some machines i think are really bad about communicating information um so you have machines like star wars which i think is a stern um that just like I remember telling a friend of mine who went to play pinball for the first time, they're like, oh, how do I play? I'm like, ah, just shoot at the flashing lights. Like, who cares? And then they're like, all the lights are flashing. And that really is, you have to like know the specific color you're looking for, like on this <laughs> on a Star Wars machine. Um, so you're saying you set somebody up for failure. Yeah. I, yeah, that was bad advice for the Star Wars machine because like <laughs> that one depends so much on like call outs and stuff and at a busy bar, like it's really hard to hear and, you know, it's... It just gets to be kind of a mess. Um, but the other pinball advice I have is just 
just shoot at stuff. It usually works out. <laughs> if you can keep the ball <laughs> alive, it's you're getting points. It's fine. Yeah. If you can consistently like hit one spot, like you're now starting to, okay, look at you with the skill. I see you out here. Like you yeah. can just hit one spot over and over again. Keep yeah. the ball alive. You're good. Yeah. That was, um, I was actually playing with our friends, uh, Tom and Nick last night at our local pinball parlor and we were playing Godzilla which is a very recent machine but also clearly one of the best pinball machines ever made and I kept trying to hit a particular scoop and I could not do it and I was just trying to get into a mode and to get into the mode you need to hit the scoop and for three balls I did everything except hit the scoop and still won (laughs) because you just you just have to keep the ball alive sometimes and if you could do that you're doing you're doing all right (laughs) That's fair. That's very yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the uh, Scooby-Doo pinball machine? No, I just, I, I hope to give it a play uh, at some point. I'm going to be excited to check it out. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm sure for, well, for you and for anyone who's listening to this who is like desperate to, uh, to play, um, there's usually different resources you can check out. You can go to any of... Uh, spooky pinball llc's social media and see if they're doing any like launch parties or going to any expos near you and stuff like that and there is also a handy little uh, app called pinball map it's also a website and you can like search by machine and stuff and see what's uh, near you so if any of the machines that we talked about or you know the scooby-doo pinball machine sounds particularly interesting you can just look it up and then i do, I do like if you go to spooky pinball's website they're a little like um like headline is the best pinball company in Benton, Wisconsin, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, I don't know if that's something that like, uh, are there multiple pinball companies in? I I don't know. I'm not I'm not that plugged into pinball. If there are, I am shocked because I think that there's like four pinball companies right now. There's not that many. Um, and I'm thinking like in the U.S. Maybe there's some more like worldwide, but uh. Yeah, not a lot of people make pinball, and there was a huge recession in pinball in the like in the '90s, going into the 2000s, where like barely any co- like a bunch of companies closed, um, barely any were kept alive. Some like came back in different iterations throughout the years. Um, but yeah, um, and in the 2000s too, you see they're uh, in the 2010s and you know 2020s rather. Uh, you see some of like the greats come back who designed these like amazing games in uh in the 1990s and 1980s who retired from pinball when it started like not being as profitable who came back and like designed like Stranger Things for instance or like these other huge property machines that came out that are pretty fun um but yeah I haven't gotten to play that one yet that one is really fun I actually went to pinball parlor the other day just to play that one because they're like the only place that has it near us but uh if you do know pinball and you've played Attack on Mars, it's by the same guy. You can kind of tell when you play it because the W Gorgon is basically just the flying saucer. It's a very fun game, though. Nice. Very cool. Do you know which one they had? Uh, they had the pro version. Wow. The premium on Stranger Things. This is a total digression. Mm-hmm. You can find the premium Stranger Things and you can search by type on pinball map. Mm-hmm. The premium Stranger Things is awesome because there is an upside down mode in the game. And the premium version specifically mm-hmm. has um, UV reactive paint on it. So it'll flip to that paint. It'll like turn out the lights and like turn on the UV lights and the whole play field will be upside down. It's oh, that's so really cool. cool. Yeah, that's it's super awesome. Cool. Yeah. That's badass. Yeah, it's really, really neat. All right. Well, now we're going to have a hard pivot to where we are only a pinball podcast now. Yeah. (laughs) They shouldn't have put out a Scooby-Doo machine um, because that's just going to be like what I talk about. But uh, yeah, the Scooby-Doo machine looks really fun. I don't think that there's uh, upside down UV reactive paint on it. It doesn't need it. It's still very cool. That Captain Cutler toy is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is very fun and then yeah. they have like the different um the different cases so like a lot of the cases of course are like nodding to like popular villains from you know the the original series and everything so it should be really fun i'm excited yeah i am too um i will definitely keep an eye out on it when it starts shipping it looks like they're providing really regular updates for it so uh it looks like it'll start shipping 
At some point within the next year, I know that um, I have hear, heard people joke like, oh, I got like, you know, my notification for when my pinball machine is arriving. So it means I'll get it on that day or in like six months. Who can tell? Is <laughs> <laughs> there like, believe it when you see it. Um, but it seems like over the last couple of years, companies have gotten a lot better about that. Um, I'm so excited. So I guess keep an eye out here for updates on that if you're not following uh, Spooky and have no desire to, but uh, I recommend following Spooky also. Yeah, we'll we'll just tell you all of the, the pinball updates. Yeah, on every machine, not just this <laughs> one. <laughs> That's a new segment. We just talk about pinball for like 10 minutes or, you know, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I probably just can't believe that Elvira, who I'm not criticizing this. I think this is an amazing decision. Elvira has three pinball machines and, and Scooby-Doo had zero until they've gotten their first one recently, which isn't even out yet. I just find that extraordinary. It is actually pretty interesting, especially yeah. for just like, I don't know. I feel like Scooby-Doo is such a bankable franchise. Yeah. So I don't know if that was like an issue with them getting like the rights to it or like, you know, they didn't want to sell the pinball rights for whatever reason or or like no one wanted to make one. No one had any ideas. Um, but I'm just like. I just like think back to some pinball machines that have come out over the years. I'm like, man, there's never been a Scooby Doo one. Like, that's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm like, we have a like, there's like, there's just so many. Like, there's a Dark Knight pinball machine. Like, there's it's uh, I mean, a, a number of bands. I mean, like Iron Maiden. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Just and like they're a, all a ton. bad. All the band <laughs> pinball machines are bad. It's just, yeah. So I'm like, it's when we're saying that it's weird that they don't have one up until now, like, you need to know just how, like, bottom of the barrel some of these, yeah. <laughs> these like, licenses have been um, yeah. in order to just understand how weird that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really is. Dirty Harry has a pinball machine, like, <laughs> and Scooby-Doo's never had one in, like, over 50 years. But I digress. Um so what we do have is a new show. Hell yeah. Velma, we do. Without Scooby, but now also with Scooby, but with an yes. eye. Yeah. But not the fake screenshot that was going around where Gigi, I think, was, or maybe it was Brenda. I don't really know who Wait, it was. Wait, what? Yeah, there was, a, there was a fake screenshot going around where someone had like edited um, someone's name, one of the, one of the, like supporting characters in the show to make it seem like her name was Scooby with an I um, and be like, oh, that's actually like Scooby now. And that's like not what it was. Oh, I think I did see that where there where somebody was trying to say that that Scooby is now a black girl or something like that. Well, yeah, which is yeah. I, I just saw that like in passing. I never like looked into it, but that makes sense. Uh, yeah, just to clarify, kinda... that is not what happens yeah. in the show. Yeah, I had a couple of people who like knew I was watching the show be like, oh, yeah, they did this. I'm like, no, they didn't. <laughs> like, someone yeah. made that up. That's not what happened in the show. Um, but what did happen in the show is that Scooby with an I is an abbreviation for uh, like Vietnam era hippie brain replacement project, which I don't know is better. <laughs> yeah, like they they kind of threw a few references like to Scooby and Jinkies like in the same yeah. scene basically um, yeah with Jinkies also being like a reference a for like yeah it's yeah. it's just a new clue and instead of like an exclamation like it is you know of course um it's a clue in the show yeah the so the last two episodes so we've been like i feel like um, Charlie Grady has been like listening to this podcast, even though it's not even released yet, <laughs> and like and like writing down our criticisms, and then like the next two episodes will like address all of them because these last two episodes had so many not just Scooby references, but like Hanna Barbera <laughs> references, a ton, and then it finally names Scooby, and like it gets the gang sort of together. Daphne's not really there, but she has her own like subplot going on right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, man, we just had to wait, apparently. Um, apparently. I, saw an, I saw an article on Yahoo today that was like, 
Scooby is like, or Velma rather, is legitimately getting better, like episode by episode. I'm like, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and that I don't know that I enjoyed these episodes more than like three, especially. Um, but I thought that they were like more coherent and more connected to the franchise than sure. you know the other ones, and they actually addressed the mystery. We had two that were not really about the mystery. They were a little bit less violent, except for the part where Velma gets hit gets by, hit a, by cop, a car. A cop yeah. car, yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay, we didn't need that. And I was literally thinking that. I was like, wow, these are like, this is a pleasant break from all the like hyper violence. And she got hit by a cop car, and like you see, like all her teeth are knocked out and stuff. And I'm like, oh fabulous like yeah. we're back here it's just again one of those things where i'm like did the violence punch up the comedy there or did it just kind of distract and more times than not the violence in this show is just like pointless it doesn't actually yeah. punch up the comedy at all yeah it really doesn't um i don't want to sound like prudish about it but i'm just like we don't really need to earn that R rating. We can like tone it down a little and I think it'll be a better show for it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I think especially it's just, it's one of those things, again, it makes me feel like I'm such a prude now, but I'm like, I mean, this is a show that like these characters are in high school. Like, it's just weird. It's just weird. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, overall, I mean, I think that this pairing of episodes was pretty good. I think, like, if I had to pick, like, the best two episode release thus far, I mean, it's it's definitely these these two episodes. Um, first off, they already kind of, like, play nice with each other mm -hmm. um, because you have, like, this two-episode arc here with Daphne that gets um, kind of resolved yeah. um, here that where she gets curious about her backstory and her origin um because um in this series she's adopted mm -hmm. and um she has uh two cops as parents uh lesbian cops um mm -hmm. should be noted um as parents and uh they say that they found her in the in a field which is is a lie but for some reason they <laughs> they they're just like no that's that's real um and then they actually show the the, the clip and it's definitely not in the middle of a field. So I'm like, why Why did they say that? Why did they continue to lie? Which was weird. But anyway, um, so she gets curious about that. And so we spend basically these two episodes. That's her whole plot line, essentially. Um, mm -hmm. And um, they did hint at it. I thought that they did a pretty good job with it of hinting at that being... Um, uh, there's a there's a prisoner that they show and it, you just get more screen time with him um, when Fred goes to prison um, that person actually ends up being uh, Daphne's father um, mm -hmm. revealed and so I thought that that was kind of cool that they had like some little wink wink nod nod for that before and I think even in the episode where he's revealed um, they have a uh, they have a moment where Daphne's leaving the house and her moms are watching the news and there's a there's a clip that's uh, talking about him on the news saying that he just broke out of prison and this this and that so that kind of like nods again to him uh, potentially being there so if you are looking for like the mystery clues and stuff like that I remember last episode we were like oh there I feel like there's not even like things for us to look for um, mm -hmm. these last two episodes I think are at least giving you a little bit where it's like, yeah. oh, if you were paying attention to like some stuff, then like, oh, this is something that you're like, oh, I, I saw that earlier or something like mm -hmm. that. So it, it actually ended up being kind of fun watching these two um, just for that kind of element too, I think. Yeah. And we've made pretty serious headway on both the disappearance of Velma's mom and also the like central mystery to the season, which is the brain stealing thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's related back to the uh, to the thing that Shaggy's grandma, who is like a neuroscientist or something, um, she was involved with this project. She like figured out a way to uh, to replace brains um, and was involved in this, but decided that like she didn't want to continue this research and like bricked up her lab, which also coincidentally is in Fred's house <laughs> and. Uh, and then uh, put her research where no one would find it in the historical society, which I did think was was cute. Um, 
and the, but then Velma's mom was the last one to check out the research and uh you know it hasn't been returned since all very spooky stuff and then the jinkies thing at the end was uh Velma whose father also is finally admitting that their mom has gone missing um is like a, just the word jinkies was written in her handwriting which is a very like a uh, tropey little mystery thing like oh a mysterious note written in the uh written in the character's handwriting like but yeah i like that this is getting back into being like an actual mystery and not just like semi-random character development that's like mostly a joke and i do also think that it's like paid off quite a bit the like kind of silly jokes like fred reading the feminine mystique and like uh daphne like not wanting to be vulnerable and things like that um they are there's a payoff for them is it so much that like it makes me rethink the early episodes not like necessarily um i think it's like it's going on its way it's definitely like getting better as it goes along yeah yeah i definitely think the show is certainly improving i think one of the things that's not improving a ton is like I mean, if you're watching this show for the comedy, I think that this show is, like, really not funny. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty aggressively unfunny, I think. It's all, like, sort of lame one-liner. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think I was, like, live messaging you, <laughs> like, where I'm just like, what the fuck are these one-liners? Like, there was the, <laughs> there was the one line in the, in episode five, there's this marching band sleepover. And Daphne, who's played by Constance Wu, I think Constance Wu is, is a fine actor, but I don't know if Constance Wu has done a lot of comedy outside of this show, but I think it, it is very clear that she's mm-hmm. not a comedian because um, she delivers this line for um, one of the like band members is standing directly behind her. She's trying to get into Velma's house. Um, where she's inviting all of the band members over and she's like, have y'all never seen a girl before or something like that because you're pitching a tent like I'm dropping a sneaker line. And mm-hmm. that's that's the joke, which is super weird, <laughs> like, anyway. But, like, the way she delivered it also just, like, had no, like, there was no comedy there. It's just like, yeah. okay, we're just saying the line to say it, I suppose. It's um, just really weird. Yeah, it felt, like, weirdly dated, like, the whole, like, uh, like, it feels a little passe, like, not that people don't, like, wait out in huge lines for stuff, but it feels like so much more in the last couple of years, like, people have been relying on things like virtual cues to, like, do stuff like that, so I'm, like, I, I remember thinking, like, first of all, I had to think of what that even meant for a second, because I'm, like, wait, what is she trying to say yeah. here? Because I had to think, like, oh, yeah, because people, like, wait in tents for, like, hours upon hours to, like, get the latest release or something. Okay, I kind of get it. Um, but, like, that and a lot of other lines on yeah. the show sort of felt like someone had a notebook of jokes that they just like a joke pops into their head or like the notes app on their phone and they just like sort of jot it down in there which i know is something a lot of like writers and comedians and stuff do um but like it felt like it was sort of like the rejects like they were still like workshopping it a little or that it was like an older joke and that you know like really would have killed at the time but then they're like uh who cares it was it was five years ago we'll just like put it in now yeah um and I was like, what is going on? There was also like a reference to Velma having a crush on Don Lemon in it, which yeah. I was sort of like, is <laughs> this just a really so... random joke? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, is this just so people would be like, aha, this is for I adults. Think it was, adults I think watch it was as, CNN. Um, <laughs> as Velma, I think as Velma discovers that Norville is uh, dating Gigi, which. I guess was apparently what was like leaked before and people were thinking that it was Scooby, but like that would also be super weird if in this show Shaggy and Scooby were like dating each other. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, But anyway, um, Velma finds out that Norville is dating Gigi. Um, She walks in shortly after. And then I think she says something to the effect of like Norville pulling Gigi means that there's a chance that she could pull Don Lemon, which I think I immediately (laughs) was like, 
does Mindy Kaling want to fuck Don Lemon? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like, I heard that line and I was like, like I had to think about it for a second because like Don Lemon's not like a bad looking guy. No. But like, he's not like, anderson cooper even where it's like oh like hottest news anchors like whatever yeah <laughs> like no. don lemon yeah don lemon was <laughs> such a random person i'm yeah. like is don lemon even like the most fuckable on cnn no like <laughs> yeah it was just weird yeah <laughs> it was so weird i'm like all right mindy kaling must just find don lemon very attractive yeah <laughs> and like it's the type of joke where i'm like that and the like sneaker line, both of them, I, it sort of like took me a second to like process it because I had to like go into a folder in my brain that I didn't expect to go into and like pull it out. And it reminded me almost of the experience of like when I watch like the Mary Tyler Moore show or Golden Girls or something where like they'll make a modern reference or uh, modern at the time that the show was coming out reference. And then like the audience like thinks it's the funniest fucking thing ever. And I have to sit there and think about it and be like, wait. Do I actually know what that was? Like, I don't get it. No, no, I had to, like, look it up. But I had to, like, go into the folder in my brain that's, like, CNN anchors and pull out Don Lemon and think about what Don Lemon looks like, mm-hmm. which is not something I expected to do uh, no. while watching Velma. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, so some pretty weird references, and honestly, they just aren't super funny i think that that's one thing that like it all of the improvement i think that we've been noticing for the show has been like everything but the comedy um yeah like i i don't think there's been any really hard laughs i've had while watching this show i think i had a couple of chuckles watching episode mm-hmm. six um yeah just a couple of little things there. I think there's is episode six the one where Velma spends most of the episode with her dad, or was that episode five? That was episode six. Okay, yeah. So episode six is where we finally get like a little bit more time with Velma and her dad, um, because it's one of the plots of of like she's trying to work through the hallucinations that have been happening up until this point in the show. Mm-hmm. And um, it's basically been discovered that, you know, the source of it is that she needs her father to believe her that basically her mom is missing. Um, because up until this point, her dad has like repeatedly said, you know, that she just left us this, this and that or whatever. And he's basically moved on. Um, but Velma, of course, is is. Um, She's also just told herself that it's her fault that her mom is gone because she found all these mysteries and drove her mom away, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she spends the whole episode like hanging out with her dad, essentially, um, which they go to a strip club and there's just so few laughs in that scene. Uh, but you can tell that they really thought that this would be hilarious, uh, having this whole conversation set in a strip club, but it really mm. just, eh. Um, yeah just really doesn't end up adding adding anything there and i think what was what was fairly interesting though was just having this play like just a regular like teen drama uh, mm-hmm. i think is probably the thing about this show that like when it is just playing very earnestly just as like an animated teen drama it's fine um mm-hmm. but it's when you throw in all this like humor that it just doesn't land yeah And it's like, I'm not sure what exactly we're supposed to be getting from the jokes being made. I'm not sure, like, in a lot of cases, not every case, but in a lot of cases, what it's supposed to tell us about the characters or the world or, like, what we, the viewer, should be getting out of it. And I think that the Don Lemon example is kind of, like, a perfect way to describe that because, like what am I supposed to think? Like, am I supposed to be like, oh, yeah, like, Don Lemon actually is super hot, like, relatable. <laughs> or, <laughs> or it's am like, I yeah, we all want to fuck Don Lemon. Or am I supposed to be like, oh, that's, like, super weird, Velma. Velma is, like, she has this, like, weird, like, totally random crush, and it does feel kind of random, but, like, Don Lemon isn't a bad-looking guy, and he's right. also not like the hottest guy I've ever seen in my life. And like, 
and I feel like we don't have a lot of like um like cultural conversation about like having a crush on Don Lemon. Maybe some people do. If we do, I- I'm not a part of those conversations. Um, <laughs> but I'm just like, what is this trying to say? Like, I can't. I feel like I don't even get the joke because I'm like, okay, like, yeah, Don Lemon, news anchor for CNN. Um, and like some of them, it's just trying to be like kind of edgy. And I think that that's, like, a problem that's not necessarily unique to Velma. That's, like, the case in a lot of, like, adult animation stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that that's also how we get the constant conversation about the show, which is, is it woke or is it not woke? Because the jokes kind of seem like they don't really make sense sometimes. Um, And, like, I'm not sure what the viewers are supposed to be getting out of it other than like because it's a one-liner it's obviously a joke and like Mm -hmm. jokes are funny yeah it just like feels inconsistent almost like if they did like like the the parts of the show i think are the funniest is like the extremely weird love quadrangle between the characters and that lends itself so much more to like the teen drama thing um and like it is like just goofy to see these very like awkward characters like just fall in and out of love with one another like you know kind of randomly i think it's kind of cute and funny and i wish that yeah. we focus like more on that aspect of it rather than like sort of head scratcher one-liners yeah um, yeah i think like there should be like there's like a real lack of i think like comedic scenarios i think that yeah. are really good like i feel like one-liners are kind of hard to do, especially when the one-liners, I think, are just characters insulting another character in the middle of, like, what's otherwise a very straightforward scene. Um, And so I think, like, what has been some of the funnier moments on the show are when there's, like, a whole comedic situation, like, built around it, that you can just have these characters play off of each other. And it's funny because of the situation. Like, for the example of episode three, um, you have this, like, um, Cobra Kai kind of reference here in this episode where you have all of the girls ta- taking a self-defense class, and, and it's it's just a comedic situation. And so, like, it just kind of lends itself to comedy. Whereas, like, I think in Episode five, I think, like, the big comedic situation is supposed to be the sleepover happening at at Velma's house, which is just, like, you know, you get all these, like, you get, like, a flute off, I think, that you have Mm -hmm. the opportunity to do jokes there, uh, different band jokes, and there's, like, some one-liners in there that are, like, kind of amusing if you're just into, like, laughing at that kind of thing. So there's, like, some stuff there, and then episode six, they really tried to do, like, the father-daughter bonding thing and how it's really awkward so they went to the strip club and then they did the thing um but like i think that there's just been like a lot of like eh scenarios that aren't very funny or just have been like overdone like i think like there's like a lack of like novelty i think with this show that it just Mm -hmm. feels like very like we were saying with the the pitching a tent line like it feels like very dated um things where it's like I don't know if this is, like, super fresh feeling. Um, Yeah. You know, like, the band stuff is, like, I mean, how many fucking marching band jokes have we seen over the years? You know what I mean? I'm like, this was an American pie in, like, the late 90s. Yeah. Just, like, like, these are things that, like, it's not like these are super fresh jokes, you know, Mm. (laughs) or scenarios that have never been done before. So I think, like, that's something where if you have these stale kind of scenarios and you have these kind of, like, meh one-liners, it's like you're really just searching for anything that that leads to the (laughs) hee-hees. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, like, they don't even really have to reinvent the wheel here, but when it's, like... Oh, they're in a strip club, and Velma's like, aha, I'm going to be a stripper too because all strippers just want their dad's approval. And I'm just like, God, that joke feels like 30 years old. Like, and it's like, and it's just like so dated, and like, it's just trying to be edgy. And the show, like, sort of marketed and, and like, positioned itself as, like, a fresh take on stuff, a fresh take on the characters and, like, Scooby-Doo and, like, you know, they reimagined Velma as, um, as a young, you know, girl of Indian descent and they were going to, like, do all these different things and stuff and then it just felt like you can replace it with, like, any show and it wouldn't, like, really change until the last couple episodes when we get the Hanna-Barbera references and the mystery. 
Mm -hmm. and like we're showing how these are like an interesting subversion of the characters um and i'm like why why isn't the writing like better i guess um like (laughs) and it's not even that the show is like a slow burn but i'm like man why didn't they do some of this stuff like from the beginning of the show like i feel Mm -hmm. like those first two episodes would have been a lot stronger if we would have um establish the characters better if we wouldn't have tried to be really clever and do the like thing where they i mean they literally say it in the show like oh the first two episodes are going to be like extra raunchy and violent and have nudity because that's what shows do Mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah i guess some shows do that but also like by just doing it like it just like felt like what's what's the joke here like it's just Mm -hmm. an observation that this like happens that in like the first episode of Riverdale, you have a kiss between Betty and Veronica, which people famously fucking hated um, mm-hmm. because it was like a classic example of queer baiting. Um, and I'm like, okay, so like, where do we go from here? What are we saying about this? What is like the interesting thing other than like, oh yeah, that other thing did that too. So like us doing it is funny somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wish it were like, a little stronger with that sort of thing and maybe we're gonna get to like the next two episodes like we have been it's gonna be like the funniest shit we've ever seen in our entire lives but like Mm -hmm. i mean i even think of like um stuff we said about the first live action scooby-doo movie where like the stuff that we like laughed the hardest at was like melvin do melvin do (laughs) it was just like funny (laughs) and it was it's not even the most like clever thing in the world but it's like it's just it's funny. I just like it. <laughs> like there's, I, I will say like one thing that I think is really lacking in the show. It's like there's a real lack of surprise. I think with any of the jokes, it's like yeah. all of the jokes are very predictable. You know what I mean? Like yeah. once you go to the strip club, like there's very little to be like you can guess every joke that's there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can yeah. guess that like there's gonna be the strippers are looking for attention they're probably gonna cut like it's just you can guess where the jokes are gonna go based on the setup um yeah and i think that that's something where it's like they're they're like focusing on subversion for like narrative stuff maybe which even Mm -hmm. then i don't think it's that interesting of what they're doing in the show um i think it's fairly compelling like more than i think like we got on the first two episodes like especially when you have this kind of interesting dynamic with Velma and Daphne and Norville in this one where like Velma kind of grows a little bit closer to Daphne because they kiss but then Velma is so self-absorbed in her own mystery that she kind of ignores Daphne over these past two episodes and so they're kind of growing a little bit apart um and then of course like Gigi is coming in and telling Norville that like hey Velma doesn't give a shit about you basically and that she's only Um, you know using you for what you know you actually do for her and so there's some fairly interesting things there but I mean like all of that's just like teen drama stuff right like like it's not like any of that's really lending itself to a lot of comedy I think in this show but I think like I don't know it's just weird yeah and like they are doing a lot of like setup and payoff stuff like to their credit um Mm -hmm. like but then just in the setup not being very funny or interesting makes the payoff feel like less funny and interesting because it's like well i didn't actually care about that other thing in the first place like uh like sort of writing gg out of the rest of the episode because like velma in a previous scene had used up two adrenaline shots and they like make a point that they only had two so she can't like hallucinate again and then she did so she gets the other you know adrenaline shot um right but I'm like, that part wasn't like very funny to begin with. So then it's like, yeah. oh yeah, Gigi got stung yeah. by a bee digging through the trash. And I forget why they, that was another thing that they set up that she had to dig through the trash yeah. or something. She was, uh, it was because this was one of the only funny jokes I think that they had. And it was because it was a, it was a side plot here for for uh, Norville where he, um, Velma makes a joke that he's a beta male and he tries to assert himself as an alpha male and so he spends the rest of the episode like not answering his phone like waiting mm-hmm. to text people back or whatever 
Um, and it ends up being a joke that he completely ignores Gigi because he's like, a man responds when he damn well pleases or something. And he like mm-hmm. really emphasizes the damn because he's cussing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, and she's actually like, you know, in the hospital or whatever. And yeah. he also was like, he was he was repairing her pants that she had ripped or something. And so she was texting him like, when are my pants coming back or something? Mm-hmm. And so in order to assert his dominance, he was like, I'm not giving them back. Um, yeah. But I did think it was kind of funny, like the the joke of him taking a um, a teddy bear's like leather jacket yeah, and little sunglasses teddy- <laughs> from the mall. I thought that yeah. was cute. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Um, and again, it's like the most like wholesome like joke too. It's like, yeah. I, like it's not a joke that's about like somebody getting like beat the fuck up. You know, like it's just I don't know. It, which again makes me sound like such a prude. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not opposed to like potty humor. I'm not opposed to like violent humor. But it's just like but it's one just, of like, the funniest shows, like, too things. Abrasive. Yeah, one of the funniest things in this show was was a was a teenager who's trying to have a bad streak, and it's the most mild bad yeah. streak. Yeah, and like, he you like, know what I mean? like that's slams funny. the door behind him. And behind the door, it just says "Graffiti Sign Norval." Yeah, where <laughs> like, I was like, "That's funny," you know. Yeah. So I was like, "That was that was some of the like things that I don't know if I was like, oh my gosh, like falling over in laughter, but I did chuckle." You know what I mean? And so I'm like. Yeah. I think that in general, like, Norville has been the only source of, like, chuckles for me. Yeah. I think we've said that, actually, in every episode we've done, that Norville is our favorite character. And I think mm-hmm. it's because he's the least abrasive. And, like, not to say that, like, oh, you're, all your characters have to be, like, wholesome good beans. Like, you know, the, that's not what I'm saying at all. But, like, the sh- I'm like, why is this so abrasive? Why is this like hyper violent and like very sexy and stuff when it's ultimately about like awkward teenagers and the funniest parts are when they're like being awkward teenagers sort of like coming into the the their image of themselves. Like, why do we mm-hmm. have all this other stuff going on? Um, and like, you know, part of that is just like Sam Richardson is just great and I really enjoy him as Norval, but it just like. If we tone it down a notch, I think that that's where, like, the show is the most comfortable. And I'm hoping that... So I have heard that they did, like, Greenlight Season 2. So I'm hoping if Season 2 happens, they sort of, like, tone all that down and, like, um, are a little bit more character-focused, a little bit, like, softer about some stuff, like, kind of, like, less abrasive and let these characters be, like, fun Mm -hmm. and don't, like, punish them at every turn. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people compare this show to Harley Quinn, and I haven't seen the Harley Quinn show, but I I, I would be interested to check it out, I think, in between seasons, I think, for Velma. Yeah, yeah, I'd be really interested to do that, too. Um, I haven't heard that comparison, but I know that um, people have all sorts of thoughts about, like, especially adult animated cartoons, nonetheless, yeah. like, superhero cartoons. Yeah, and I think just to clarify, for in summary for folks that have not been following the discourse, that people really enjoy the Harley Quinn series um, and do not care for this series. And yes. Yeah, but yeah, I figured I would <laughs> include that in there for anybody that has not been following all the discourse. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know, like each, after each episode, I'm like, I'm like, ooh, you keep getting closer. You're like almost there. I want to like write mm-hmm. a letter and be like, listen, stuck with it. I've stuck with it the whole time. <laughs> Here's the things you need to work on. Yeah, it's like we're the we're the only audience for this show right now. I think that and people who are writing it for whatever publications and stuff, writing reviews. Yeah, and and I have like seen the people who are legitimately keeping up with it. YouTube. Not so much because I feel like on YouTube <laughs> I just constantly see like people be like, "Oh, it's too woke." Oh, it's not woke. Which, yeah, like at this point has been done to death. Yeah, the overuse of woke. Ugh. Yeah, and I I don't know. Like I think that the the first two episodes have the most like culture war stuff. They have like they have I think one joke this past episode where like they're trying to get all the teenagers' attention so they're like, oh someone's being intolerant. Yeah. Um, which is like an eye roll joke, whatever. Yeah, uh, for sure. 
but like the publications especially like you know like with journalists like writing about this online and entertainment um they've been feeling about the same as us like it's getting like kind of better it has its issues uh certainly the first two episodes were kind of an anomaly and uh yeah i mean it's not the most offensive thing i've ever seen um no i don't think it takes that much care either (laughs) and i think Mm -mm. that it thinks it takes more care than it actually does um by you know uh like making the characters like from marginalized groups and stuff i think that it feels like it gives a little bit more agency to be edgier um but I think that that is like so surface level and it almost like criticizes that on like itself in the very first episode. And I'm like, this doesn't like add to it. It kind of like takes away that they were like, oh, no, we know we're just doing it anyway. And I'm like, OK, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, well, well, I mean, we've been sticking with it this far. <laughs> yeah, we're going to finish it out. Yeah, we are we are now we are past the halfway mark for the mm-hmm. season. Um we have definitely made progress on the central mysteries and so mm-hmm. um it feels like things are definitely moving forward. Um I don't know if the hallucinations are totally going to be done. I hope that they're not. Not because of a character thing, just because like I do like the art a lot, I think for the hallucinations, yeah. so I think that that would just be cool to kind of see that. Um, or at least do something else, I think, with it. Um, but it does seem like that's that's something that they've kind of said is is done here with episode six, or at least that's what Velma thinks at the end of that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I think just having like the Hanna Barbera references, I think, was like appreciated. Like yeah. um, you know, they they have some of that stuff in there. Uh, the Scooby thing aside, though, I did think that was kind of silly that yeah. they kind of did that, but whatever. Um, it's not as much of an eye roll as the someone somewhere is being intolerant joke. It's just yeah. like, okay, cool. Um, and then they have the jinkies thing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see uh, as it kind of comes together here for the last few episodes of this season. But I'm pretty confident we will find out who the villain is here. If not episode eight it's probably going to be episode nine mm-hmm. i think this, that's my prediction do you have an idea on who you think the culprit is i i don't know like my gut's been sort of saying fred's dad mm-hmm. for like so like he does like own the house he's played by frank welker who's doing like a cameo um as fred's dad he's been He's been showing up more the last several episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with Daphne's stuff. Um, it just seems unlikely based on where the last two episodes ended up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of a lot of stuff is like pointing to like the Jones family. I think so far, so that's that's gonna yeah. be my guess. I do think that I also have that same guess. I think it's Fred's dad. And I think it's because he has the motivation of trying to promote his uh, uh, menswear for women store. Yeah. That he wants to he wants to make them uh, covert advertisements for his his store. I think mm. that's his motivation for it. And I think that's um, that's probably going to be it if he's the culprit. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good point. So yeah, that's yeah. what I think. And but they do knows? they do keep putting like emphasis on the fact that he's like trying to sort of like he gets really really mad when like Fred is like less manly. Like when he reads the feminine mystique, he keeps trying to like uh, he keeps trying to like make him like drink whiskey and smoke cigars and do other like sort of stereotypical manly stuff. So I wonder if that mm-hmm. will end up being maybe part. yeah maybe so. We shall see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes. I feel like I have something to like grab onto now, which is which is very good. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> we we haven't yet. Um, I might do like a, a rewatch of the whole thing uh, before I like watch the last two episodes too, just to sort of like refresh myself on on everything. And maybe I'll come back with a different perspective on the first two episodes. Right now, I kind of think that I won't. 
um because i was not that huge of a fan uh but there were a couple things i thought were like kind of cute like you know like norval's character i really liked at the beginning um so we'll see where it goes i guess we shall see now that we know where the show is going maybe we'll look back at the first two episodes a little more fondly i guess yeah probably not (laughs) yeah i i still think that there were like major problems um in the first two so i i get why people like so many people seem to bounce off but uh i think that they did like resolve a lot of issues as they continued to go for Um, sure so i hope that they continue to do so as the season progresses and because it is all the same season i do wonder like why the beginning had such problems when it did sort of drop off because i'm like dang were they really like that committed to the bit that the beginning was like going to be like hyper violent and sexualized and like a little gross at times mm-hmm. um this seems like a, a weird thing to do but i'm not a comedy writer i guess so. i guess <laughs> but oh well but yeah um unless you have any other thoughts i think that we will be Back in the next episode with further thoughts on Velma and maybe some other stuff about uh, the Scooby-verse in general. Yeah, no, I think that pretty much does it. Next week, we'll be back talking about how hilarious Velma has gotten all of a sudden. Yeah, I know. that. Continuing our arc of liking the show more each week. Yeah, we got to keep uh, emailing these these raw files directly to Charlie <laughs> Grady so he can like redo the episodes real quick. Um <laughs> Yeah. If you want to watch Velma with the sound off, just like just skip to the parts with the hallucinations because they are like legitimately very good. They're really cool. Yeah. I did like pause sort of randomly to like go do something and I just like sat there for a second like dang. That's some good art. Just like there was one pause. there was one spot too, I think, where I think it was during the flute battle actually in episode five that they mm-hmm. do these zoomed in shots of Velma and um, Gigi playing the flute together. Mm-hmm. And it was like, they added like some extra detail and shading yeah. and stuff. And I was like, damn, I was like, that looks really nice. Yeah. Um, and then like, you know, you get a lot of meh uh, outside of that. But I was like, ah, oh, there are some moments where I'm like, legitimately this show is like, it's not all ugly, plain adult animation style. There's yeah. some cool stuff in there. Yeah. Or like, um, like when they show the houses and stuff, like some of the backgrounds get really cool mm-hmm. looking, and I'm like, man, the art on this is awesome. Yeah. Um, and then of course, like if you look up online discourse for it, especially on Reddit, Reddit just needs to do better in general. People are just being terrible about like, no, I don't like Norval because he's not like a white guy, which is bad, and people should stop doing that. But um. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Where I'm like, the art is very cool he's actually the best character on this I know, show he is like legitimately the best character and i like his design i mean we railed kind of hard against some of the mystery ink designs but i like yeah, the no. art on velva yeah i think it's fine <laughs> but uh yeah okay so for real now okay. now we will, we're done uh, <laughs> now we're done yeah that's it <laughs> bye bye